So if you wasn't here last week, we, we went to Luke chapter 10 and the rich young ruler said, who is my neighbor? What can I do to inherit eternal life? And he was doing it for show. But, and Jesus said, well, what does the law say? How do you interpret? And he said, well, the law says that, that you are to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And it doesn't say that together. We talked about that. It's two different places. And Jesus said, well, that's good. Just do them both and you'll live. And then he turned around and said, well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus goes through this story about the man that fell in the ditch and so on and so forth. And remember what he said? He said that there's, so when the man fell in the ditch, we gave you the three options. There's only three to choose from, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. He said, who was neighbor to the man that fell into the ditch? So you only get to pick up three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan. And for all these years, you think that the neighbor is the guy in the ditch. It is not. Verse 30 will tell you who was neighbor unto the man in the ditch. And who was the guy in the ditch? Fallen mankind. And so not to repeat this, because I've got to clear this up with you. We do have a responsibility in our community to help people. But to love our neighbor is ourself. We found that Jesus is that neighbor. And when you love him as you love yourself, or the Greek says, more than yourself. So now then, I love him more than I love my own judgment. I love him more or trust him more than I do my own thoughts. I have to trust his word more than I trust my own language. And so he said, you got to learn to love Jesus more than you love yourself. It means this as Christians that we become in a place where it doesn't matter what we feel or what we're going through. We have to love and appreciate what he has said more than what we think or experiencing at the moment. And if we don't do that, then let's just sell the building and sell Avon. <laughs> Nothing against Avon. The Old Testament word for Avon is iniquity. Look it up. I've talked about that. So <laughs> it really is. But anyway, so, so what about our neighbor? So we found out last week, Jesus is that neighbor. We are to love the neighbor, Jesus, as much as we love ourselves. So do we have a responsibility for, to other people? And the answer is yes. Yes. Now, you know me, I, I don't feel sorry for anybody that's younger than me standing on the street corner that's healthier than me. I, I don't feel sorry. If you, if you got money to throw away, bring it to the church house. Some of you need to learn that principle anyway. Really? You'll give to everything and every dog that comes by, but supporting the things of God, some people have trouble with that, and I don't understand that. But besides that, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this. He says, bear you one another's burdens so you'll fulfill the law of Christ. So evidently, we are called to bear one another's burdens. It's the law of Christ. The law of Christ to bear burdens. Verse number 5, so he said that for every man shall bear his own burden. So this is not the same word. So verse 2 says that we should bear one another's burdens. It's a word called baros, means an overloaded donkey, or an overloaded animal, something that is overloaded, and it's about to collapse or give in. There's times that we have to find in the church, you'll find people that are going through some stuff, some heavy stuff, bad stuff, and they need a little help. It's our responsibility to help somebody from time to time that's being overloaded, overwhelmed, overburdened. 
And by doing so, you fulfill this, what we refer to as the law of Christ. But verse 5 says that every man will bear his own burden. It's called portion, or we get a portion responsibility. My job here in this church is not to carry you around like baby Huey. But my job is to help you until you get your feet right and your legs strengthened and your mind right. And that way you can carry your own weight and be responsible for yourself. There's nothing wrong for me helping my three-year-old tie his shoe. The problem is when he's 33, that's the problem. It would be like Jordan. He said, Daddy, will you tie my shoe? Don't you think it's time for you to learn tying your own shoe? So it's not negating what I do. It's giving me the opportunity to help other people. How many are in pretty good shape? I'm not even going to look. I'll look. All right. If you are, thank you for being in pretty good shape. But some of you this morning may not be in good shape. So it's my responsibility to help those that are being overloaded. And that overloaded can be many things. So do we have a responsibility to help neighbors or help people out? The answer is yes. But my first priority is to love Jesus, period. And I'm not going to get off. There's, there's only two, there's two types of service. There's two types of ministry in the church. One is evangelism, one is service. And what I mean by that, euangelos is the word, that when you find a church that's really not majoring in euangelos, they'll, they'll major in service. So kind of what we do here, I'm majoring in the, in the first. I try to major in the logos or the word of God. I try to give you the word of God. And there's things need to be done, then we'll do our very best. But here in this church, we just don't have big mission projects and big mission fields. And, and, and I understand that. But if you want to do that, then, then let's start one. Yeah. We'll do that. I'll help you do that. You may say, well, how come you don't go somewhere and knock on doors? Well, I'm called to do this, but I'll help you. I'll buy you gas. You can go knock on doors. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. That's not fair. Well, you ask. So the idea is that we have a responsibility to other people. We're not self-inclusive here. I mean, it's not within these yellow walls, but we have a responsibility to, to help people that are overburdened and overloaded and overwhelmed so there'll come a point where they won't need us anymore. That's my, that's my chief goal. The chief goal of anything is maturity. The chief goal of anything in the church is maturity. It's the roof of maturity when the elements can't come in. So by the time you get to verse number 10 is, is, is the result of what we're doing. It says that let us do good to all men. The word good is agathos, where we get a word for kalos. It means to benefit people. Let us do good to all men, but especially the household of faith. So if we had a slogan, it would be here. If I had a church motto, it would be here. I, we just don't have enough walls to put it on. But we're going to do good to all men that we possibly can. The Bible said even this, if it's possible, live with all men peacefully. Well, it's not possible. That bummer sticker, you know, coexist. Why can't we coexist? Because they're trying to kill us. That's why we can't coexist. So... If we can, we're going to do good to all people if that's possible. But what's this? Especially the household of faith. Because if the doctor is sick, you may be in trouble. If the surgeon's hand's broken, you may be in trouble. And I say this with the greatest respect to everything in this church, but, but if, you, if you lose me today, this may be in trouble for a little bit. So it's very important. And if I lose you, it's very, it's very important that we keep one another healthy. So my responsibility is to do good to all men if I can, but especially to the household of faith, it's my job to make sure you're in pretty good shape. All right? That's, that's our responsibility. 
And I appreciate third world countries and I appreciate missionaries and I appreciate all of everything that everybody's done to evangelize the gospel. But here's the deal. It's amazing that some of you have been coming here a long time and you can't even tell me what that guy's name on back on the back row of the Black Journal. And I don't blame you for not wanting to know the guy with the red shirt on. I understand. I don't blame you for that. But, but, but we should get connected. Did you know, everybody says this, where he says, where two or three are assembled, I'm in his midst. I understand that. But do you know there's, there's the difference between being gathered and assembled? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Well, wonderful. It's an old saying, where two or three are gathered in his name, a thought will break out. That's what it really means, but... Did you know there's a difference? It's not just enough to say, well, there's two or three that are gathered in his name. He's there. He is there, but not just for the gathering. It's for the assembling. So Terry could come over and say, I say, hey, come look at my motorcycle. I want to see it. Yeah, come over. Open up the garage door and the motor's over there and the handlebar's over there and the back wheel's over there and the carburetor's over there and the gears are over there. And it's gathered. It's just not assembled. I'm glad we're gathered, but I'd like for us to be assembled. Oh, yeah, we got a gathering, but we can't get along. You understand? Do you understand? It's not about gathering people in a place. He said, Let, for, forsake not the assembling. It's a Greek word. Man. Learn to put the components together. We are a, a, a unit meant to be assembled together. So not only am I glad you gathered here, but I'm glad that we can be assembled together. Because it's a sense of belonging. I belong here. Turn to somebody and say, I belong with you. It's amazing. So if you ever decide to carry someone else, if you ever decide to carry that person and their weights and their needs and their problems, you'll soon discover it's a heavy load and it's hard work. And don't ever think for one moment that ministry is easy. There's no easy button like at Staples. Great patience and perseverance will be required of you. Unlike the old song of Holly's, he is heavy, but he is my brother. Ministry's tough. Ministry is hard work. Whenever you decide to help someone else, you're going to soon find out that he's heavier than what you thought he was. Oh, come on over. We'll have a cup of coffee and I'll help you with your problems. And Three hours later, and you're looking for a bottle of something else to clear your mind up, if you I didn't know you had that much problems. I didn't know you were that overwhelmed. So when you really, God begins to attach someone to your life, you're going to really find out that they can really be heavy, overburdened, overwhelmed. And then you begin to understand that the statement, what I said a while ago, that it, there's nothing easy about ministry. But it will require great patience and perseverance on your part once you do it. So we're going to give you a little short story this morning in Mark chapter 2. Now, if I was a full-blown preacher, we'd have a lot of fun with this, but I'm not. I'm just a boring teacher. That's all I am. I just, I'm like Jack Friday. I just give you the facts. That's it. Mark chapter 2. Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, and again, Jesus entered to Capernaum. This is where he's from. And after some days, it was noised or noted that he was back in the house. The word noise, I mean, there was a lot of chatter. 
A lot of excitement going on. All right, verse 2. And straightway many that were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about, about the door. They were blocking the door, and so he preached the word unto them. They couldn't even get near the house. So they came up to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now, so here was a man that was born with palsy, and he has four friends. So these four friends are bringing him. In a week or two, we'll talk about this. Verse 4, let's go. And when they came, no, couldn't even get to him, they pressed and uncovered the roof where he was. And they had broken the roof up, and they let the bed down where the sick of the palsy lay. So what we have here is that we have a huge crowd. Jesus is back home. They've heard of the miracles that he has performed. Now then we have a small house, and now then hundreds, maybe thousands, were gathered around the perimeters of the house. So there was a man that was born of palsy, that he had four friends. Thank God for friends that'll take you to Jesus. See? And so they couldn't get in. Now, one of the problems that we have, that we, we have, we do have this, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees guards that was intentionally blocking people from getting in. But besides that, the, the lesson to be learned here is this, that we as Christians, that we need to be sensitive to someone that maybe right at this moment, that needs to get to Jesus. All right? Perhaps now, right now, there's somebody that you know or you're familiar with that's lying on a stretcher. They may seem okay. They may look okay. They may sound okay. They may laugh okay. They may even sing okay. And they may even say I'm okay. <coughs> but they are not okay on the inside. The King James used the word palsy. This is where we're going to begin the study. He intentionally used the word palsy. Palsy, the signs and symptoms by Webster says, it's the condition of a person who is unable to command or control movements in a specific area of their body. The man had palsy. He didn't have a broken leg, didn't have a broken arm. He had palsy. He, did, he wasn't leprous. He wasn't missing an eye or a right foot. It specifically says palsy. And what I love about the scripture, there's just so many things that are specific that is, can be designed for you and I. So Webster got it right. It is the condition of a person who is unable to command or control movements of their body. So in the medical field, there are three categories for palsy. It really is. Number one, it's called frozen muscles. The man had palsies, but as we talked about, surely he bore our griefs. What, what, what kind of what kind of wound? How was he wounded? So this is the same thing with palsy. For, so just to say that he had palsies, that's not good enough. So if I ask you if he had palsy, what does that mean? And it's not a trick question. What would you say? He had palsy. What would you say? I mean, he was crippled. Well, that's part. So I think it's very important if, if, if the Bible mentions his condition, it's very important for us to be good students of what was wrong with him, if we can. And we're going to find out that we're not far from him at all. So the first palsy, what we refer to as frozen muscles, it means having no command over their movements, having no command over their movements. Palsy. 
whether it be a slight stroke, whatever it may be, something is set in, but the first stage of palsy is called frozen palsy. It means he has no command over the muscles. All the muscles, the tissues, the blood vessels, the bones, the nerves are present, but for some reason that body seems to be stuck, immobile and paralyzed. He can't go. When we see someone in, that's, a, that's a paraplegic or someone that has had a stroke or someone that can't move their body, that's palsy. They are unable to command movement in their body. They want to. They think about it, but they cannot. And that arm is still limp and that, and that leg is still limp, and, but they just cannot make it move. They cannot make it go. But on the inside, every fiber of their body is screaming, but I want to get past this. I want to move. I should be able to move. I should be able to get past this. I want to move forward in my life, and I don't want to live this way another day in my life, but for some reason, I just can't move on with my life. You may not know it right now, but people have been carried in here in stretchers this morning. Oh, they look good. They sing good. They smile good. They shake your hand good. They smell good. But there's something going on the inside that doesn't have the ability to move. They're stuck. They want to. They want to get over that divorce. They want to get over that death. They want to get past that financial failures. They, they, they want to get past it, but, but for some reason on the outside, everything seems to be good, but they're stuck. They can't move. They just can't move. And all along, they're faking you out here. They're faking you out. Turn to somebody and say, I thought you were good. Tell them that. I don't care. But little do you realize they barely got here. If they didn't get here on their own, maybe their wife or their husband or their kids said, I thought we were going to church today. Well, we'll go. But you, you know, they're here. But they're stuck. We all get stuck. So this man having palsy that the first one was frozen muscles that, and, and here's some reason that brings about this type of condition. Number one, he's crippled by his childhood memories. Frozen by financial failures, immobilized by marital mishaps, paralyzed by personal problems, stuck in stress. You don't know how many people that I've known in the last 35 years that went to church here, coming to my office, that had palsy. Couldn't move. Couldn't go. I can't go on. Everything within them says, I, I want to. I don't want to spend another day like this. I don't want to live another day like this. I'm tired of faking people out. I'm tired of being stuck. I just can't get on. I can't, I can't go forward. I can't move forward. I can't get past that. I think he stuck his tongue at me while I was preaching. I just can't get past that. <laughs> Palsy. Once again, I'm just so thankful this morning that we, God has given us friends that will make sure that when they even are sensitive that we're stuck or we're paralyzed, that they make sure that they take it straight to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can heal 
our wounds on the inside. So if you're here today and you got palsy and you have frozen muscles and you're stuck, you're in the right place. Jesus is in this house. Number two is called spastic muscles. Palsy. Having no control over their movements. In the medical field, it's called tremors or the shakes. So the first one is that we can't give we can't get the body to move. The mind is moving, but the body's not moving. The mind is, is racing, but the body's going nowhere. I just can't make myself go. I can't get past it. I can't get out of bed. I just can't do it anymore. And if you allow me that I won't let you spend another day that way, I'm going to drag you to the presence of God. But the other one is almost the opposite. It's called spastic muscles. And what happens is, this definition is, the other one, you, can't, you have no command or you can't make it work. But now this one, you can't control it. It's, it's a language called the shakes or the tremors. I want it. I just can't control it. Matter of fact, by definition, it means... I can't hang on to it. Spastic muscle means I cannot control what I want to control. In your Christian life, you cannot control what you desire to control. Having no control over their movements. This person can't control or hold on to objects they desire to hang on to. A job. A commitment. A relationship. Their priorities. Their word. Their anger. Spastic muscles is a lifestyle that's completely out of control. So number one, we understand that palsy could be the fact that we just, we can't go forward. And I know what you're saying. If we had a better piano player, it would help us. I, that's, I agree, but that's not, that's not the problem here. And now then we have symptoms that I can't hang on to anything. I can't hang on to anything. I, I desire the water, but I can't hang on to it. And when I hold it, it, it just jostles out where I make a mess of everything. And the third one is referred to as exhausted muscles. Medical science says that exhausted muscles is when things are so out of control that we feel the stress and the stress creates the pressure and the pressure turns into fatigue. Joe, again, I was talking for church. I, I feel like this week, that I can say with a lot of clarity, we are living in a strange land. The, the more that I'm in this place, the more I realize I really don't belong in this place. I kind of feel like sometimes, and I know you're, you're, you're so much spiritual than I am. I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm last in the class on this, but I feel like I don't belong here. I feel like I'm a stranger in a strange place. 
I don't like the society. I don't like the customs. I don't like the laws that's being imposed on us. You may like it. I don't. And like I, Joe and I, here's the deal. Somebody asked about this, so here's the deal. There's only two platforms, we, whether it be homosexuals, transgenders. I can't hate them, but I can't affirm them. So it's, it's almost like that we're living in time. If, but if, here's the deal. If it doesn't agree or line up with the word of God, I have no use for it. I'm not better than that. I'm just beyond that. I'm not better than anybody in this place. But I will tell you, we have got to go back to the basics of what the word of God says. I've got to learn to love my neighbor, which is Christ, more than I respect the opinions of other people. I have to if we're going to be Christians. And you've heard the saying that religion is just man's attempt to get to God, but grace is God's attempt to get to mankind. So exhausted muscles, I find myself there a lot. I'm tired. It's the pressures, it's the demands, it's the laws that's being imposed, it's, it's dumb-de-dumb people, it's, 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 it's people that are not in the ways of God and they try to impose their ways and things of church. It's just, it wears me out. I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying outside this church building. Webster gets it right that one's weariness means one sense of pleasure for life is exhausted and empty. It's constant drawing from others that can quickly deplete, drain, and discourage you. So when you kind of get to this place that I, I know that everywhere you turn on TV, everybody's happy and everybody's colorful and everybody's got it going on, but that's not real. Kind of like soap operas. That's not real. One time in church at Randolph City, this lady gave a prayer request. Really? 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 You're not, my wife is sitting right there. She was elderly. I don't know how, what elderly is anymore. I should never say that. <laughs> she raised her hand, prayer request. She said, pray for Whatever her name was, she's having a baby out of wedlock and they don't know who the baby's daddy is. And really? And they called her by name. And Gaina said, that's a soap opera. I said, oh, okay. I know. But if you're not careful, whether it be Frozen muscles, spastic muscles, or exhausted muscles, palsy can set in to a believer. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but it means that you've lost the joy to it. And I think the response is, is, is going back to what we talked about last week, is coming to Christ. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is found in Matthew 11, 28, 29. Now, this is the way the King James says, it's coming to me, all oh, you, la you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lonely, and my burden is light. But this is what the Message Bible says. Are you tired or are you wore out? Are you burnt out on religion? Jesus says, come to me and get away with me and you will recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a, a real rest. 
walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Some of you know this, but some of you do not. He makes a statement called unforced rhythms of grace. <clears throat> Perhaps he's sitting down and he's giving this lecture and, and a chicken walks by. And he said, are you tired? Are you wore out? Are you burned out of religion? If you'll come to me, I'll show you how it's done. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. He looked up in the sky and, and, and maybe a hawk was flying. He said, you see that? I'll teach you how to do that. No movement in the wings. He's not up there flapping like a chicken on the ground. The chicken can flap for 30 seconds straight. He'll never get off the air about four feet. That's it. And that thing up there in, in the wind, he has never moved his wings yet. He said, are you tired of religion? Are you wore out? Are you tired of flapping? And they said, we are. And he said, I want to teach you how to do that. live in another atmosphere. No flapping, no striving, no struggling. This one on the ground is constant flapping and he never moves anywhere, but that one up there that he's learned to adapt to another atmosphere where there's no striving, no laboring, no anything. He seems to be gliding in another atmosphere and he is. I'm so tired of religion. I'm so tired of struggling. I, I was so tired of flapping and getting nowhere. I was so tired of going through the Baptist and the Pentecostal motion. I was so tired of that until I come to Jesus and he said, I want to show you how you can live a life without the struggling and the flapping and the never getting anywhere. I'm going to teach you to go to another atmosphere. The whale is a lot like us. It lives in one atmosphere, but it breathes another. I'm here, but I can't breathe here. I'm here on this earth, but I cannot breathe the air that this earth is putting out. I want to live in another atmosphere. Colossians said, let your feet be firmly planted upon earth, but let your head be planted in the clouds of glory. My job this morning is trying to get you into another atmosphere where God will take you to the place where you'll quit struggling and you'll live life in another atmosphere that's pleasing to Him upon the breezes of God's Word and His Spirit freely and lightly. So for you this morning that are struggling with palsy, that maybe your muscles are frozen, you can't move. I'd like to be more committed. I'd like to get past that. I don't want to spend another day this way, but you just cannot move, I understand. 
And for you that can't hang on to anything, you got the shakes or the tremors. I understand. I can't hang on to a job, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, spouse. I can't hang on to anything. I understand. And for you that are absolutely wore out, I understand. But more than that, you're in the right place to be healed. That's where we're at. So consider me this morning closing one of your four friends. One of your four friends. I want to take you to Jesus. We're here to take you to Jesus. And you may say this morning, well, you don't know the church I was raised in. I don't care. We'll tear the, we're just going to tear the roof right off your old denomination. Well, what will my wife think if I, if, if I get saved? She'll probably come up here and kiss you before anything. You know, who knows? Let's get healed this morning. So let's do that. Father, this morning that we just come to you, we, some of us that we barely even got here, there's some that did not make it. But we are to bear one another's burdens until they become responsible to bear their own burden. Because we're commanded to do good to all men, but especially those that have committed their life to Christ. And maybe right here in this church house that there are some with palsy. They're stuck, they're spastic, they're exhausted. Maybe they can't get past certain things Maybe they can't hold on to certain things and maybe they don't have the strength to go another day. But in your presence, in this place, we think that there's enough healing power to heal them. Stand with me if you would please in this place. Join someone by the hand. We all have palsy from time to time. We all experience the fatigue and the exhausted muscles. We all know what it's like to not have the ability to command or control movements of our mind and body. But the great thing about it is that God has assembled us with four brethren and sisters to help us bring us to the platform where Christ is. If you're here this morning, which you are, that God has given you a special assignment to make sure that person beside you and around you can get to the presence of Jesus without distractions. Father, would you heal us this morning? Would you heal our minds? Would you heal our hearts? Would you help us to move forward? Would you help us to get past our hurts and our imperfections? Father, would you help us to have the strength to hang on to things that we want to hang on to? The very thing that we want the most, that we seem that we lose the grip of it, but we, we desire to control our priorities and our temper. We, we desire to control our passion. We, can try, we desire to control these things. Would you help us? And when we become weary and fatigued of all things, would you teach us to learn to move to another atmosphere, rhythms of grace, that we may just live in your presence lightly and freely next to you, 
So for whatever that you're doing in this place this morning, we just want you to be glorified in this place. Two things I need you to know this, this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that He loves you. And you belong. So Father, heal us. And we'll give you thanks in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. Turn around to two or three people and give them a hug and a handshake and say, thank you for being here with me this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here for you. Tell them, I'm here for you. I'll help you. I'm going to make sure I get you to Jesus. I'm glad you're here today. Communion service, if you'll please come. We're going to celebrate Holy Communion once again. The Lord is good. I don't know about you, but I can't hardly wait till Sunday morning gets here that I can come to church. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm like David. I was glad when they say it's time to go to the house of the Lord. He sat with his disciples that would really, they all had palsy. Every one of these men that he was about to break bread with, they on the inside had palsy. They looked okay, they sounded okay, they sung okay, and they even said that we're okay, but they were not okay. They were frozen in their tracks. They were spacked in their commitment, and they were just flat exhausted from the agony of watching the past three and a half years, what they've experienced. He took the bread and he lifted it up and he said, this will now represent my body broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken hearts, your broken lives. Your broken homes, your broken marriages, your, just your brokenness. Jesus became broken that we could be whole. Remember, he left us in peace, not in pieces. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is symbolic of my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. My Father will take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross that whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember me. So Father, we remember your son Jesus once again and we tear off the rooftops of things to get near him, that he will heal our body. Heal us this morning as we celebrate Holy Communion in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen.